Hello, uh, my name is Jared, and I have the uh, privilege of bringing the Bible reading to you today. I'll be reading from the New International Version, and uh, I'll give you a moment to bring out your Bibles if you have them. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with a fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went there, went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will not want to go. I'm oh, sorry, someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said, to, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had learned, learned back against Jesus, leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is, it, what is that to you? Oh, I've read a little too far, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jared. Awesome. Good evening, everyone. 
I'm Trace, I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you tonight. Um, I love that last week we kind of heard a really similar version to this story. Tonight we're hearing it a little bit different, um, in a different context. But uh, it is all about uh, fishing. And I want you to know I am not a fisherman. Daryl said last week he wasn't a fisherman. But my dad, he was a fisherman. He loved to fish. That would have been his identity. It wasn't his career in any way, but that's what he loved to do. And I have a little picture. Uh, we were um, growing up on King Island, and my dad and my uncle Trev bought a boat, and that boat uh, needed a lot of repair work. It was not a sleek machine. We could see it there. <laughs> Uh, they worked on it for a few months and then every weekend we were out on that boat. And uh, they did fix it up a little bit, but that boat was called Driftwood for a reason. <laughs> and um, it used to have this awful diesel engine in the front part and you'd go down to the, the cabin space. That's where they'd send you if you were feeling a little bit sick. That was not a good solution. It was awful. I have flashbacks of the memory as I'm talking about it. But... They loved to fish. Fishing was um, a really just relaxing, enjoyable pastime. And to be honest, not much else you could do on King Island. So that's what they did. Who's a fisherman in the room? Fisherwoman, fisherman, excellent. Couple, both women. Nice, nice. It's good. I admire people who like fishing. I like to go on a boat. Who likes to go on a boat? That's yes. Look at us all. All the yes, going on a on a boat is always rather pleasant. Um, the gutting, the worms, the mm, not so much for me. But some people love it, and I get it. I get it absolutely. So we have this story tonight uh, based on the lake at Galilee. This is where the disciples were instructed to go and to wait. So that's what they were doing. They're hanging around and they are waiting. And they're sitting around. I imagine this time was potentially quite helpful for the disciples. They had gone through a lot. The last three years were jam-packed. They were one day doing their careers, living normal lives, and the next day they are completely doing something different and they are following Jesus. And they are seeing the most amazing miracles. They are hearing the most amazing messages and things that they'd never heard before. And then they had the trauma of witnessing the death of Jesus and then the exhilaration of witnessing his resurrection. And so that's a lot of stuff to have to process. And they're doing that over this short amount of time. We don't know if it was a few days. Uh, we, we actually think that it was probably more than days. It was probably a couple of weeks that they are there waiting. So they're sitting around and Peter just kind of goes, that's it, I've had enough, I'm going fishing. And I just don't think there's a bloke here uh, verse in the Bible. I just kind of think if there was a bumper, like we've all seen the bumper stickers, haven't we? We've all seen on the back of some four-wheel drives, like, go on fishing. It's this, I am out of here. I'm just going to step away from life. I'm going to go where I, I can relax. I can, I can do my thing. 
for these guys, we know that it wasn't uh, only Peter, but the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they were also fishermen. And there's a chance that some of the other disciples were as well, because we don't actually know all of their careers. So there's a strong chance that there's others in that group that were also fishermen. And, and Peter has said, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm going fishing. I've kind of had enough of this waiting around. Now, he has copped a bit of flack over the last few centuries, just around that decision. And some people has, have accused him of actually being disobedient in that. He should have stayed and done nothing and just done the waiting. But I think that's a little bit harsh on him. I think that actually going and doing the fishing was fine. Jesus certainly doesn't... Um, condemn that when he's speaking with them. He doesn't mention the fact that they have gone fishing. Um, and there's some other reasons that he may have needed to go fishing. So during the three years that they're with Jesus and uh, they're with all the other followers, they would have had support by different people who were supporting them as they went around. But now they're in this gap time where the church hasn't been established and Jesus isn't around for people to follow. And so as far as supporting themselves, this could have been a practical element to this need as well. So Peter has said, that's it, I'm going fishing. And the rest of the boys have gone, yep, we're coming with you. And that indicates that Peter really was a great leader as well. We see that in many other parts of the Bible. So here they are out at sea and they are seasoned fishermen. They wouldn't have gone that night if the weather conditions weren't right for fishing. They knew about weather conditions. So it wasn't that that caused the fish not to go into their nets. They would have known the special places to go. They knew that actually fishing of a night was the time to go because during the day, the fish are kind of hiding in amongst rocks and they're not coming out. And then at night, they come out. But then they also would have had these techniques of using torches to attract the fish uh, to the boat. And so they, they kind of had these methods. They had the gear. They knew the little pockets in which to cast their nets. So they, they wouldn't have... This was a unique experience because as fishermen, they would have known those places. If things were really tough over, overnight, they would have gone, OK, let's just go to that place because we, we know we can get the fish at that place. They would have been doing this since they were young boys. They would have been helping their dad. And yet on this night, there wasn't a single fish. Now, growing up uh, fishing like we did, um, we always got something always got something. Now, I know, you know, maybe it was just our blessed family, but we would always get, even if it was just a tiny little thing. But honestly, they have literally got no fish. Let's just imagine ourselves on the shores of Galilee in this moment. So it's dawn. It's quite dark, but the sun is just like on the horizon. We've probably got the birds are out. There's probably some seagulls swooping around, starting to, you know, um, start their day. 
we've probably got a little bit of wind. We've got, you know, some waves coming forward. And uh, just the peacefulness of that time of day, there's kind of not many people around. There's probably no one around um, on the shoreline at that time. And so Jesus in that moment has called out to them and they haven't recognised him. But we can probably appreciate that they are a distance from the shore. So it's about 50 metres. So that's a fair way away to be able to recognise somebody. Might be misty. Uh, who We don't know. We, we understand that Jesus was recognisable, but we don't know exactly if there was some reason why his resurrected body uh, wasn't recognisable. But I don't think so. I think it's actually more the fact that they were a distance away from him. And I imagine that they think that he's another fisherman or certainly somebody that they know because he starts off when he calls out to them, he says, friends. In some translations, that's actually uh, children or uh, a term of endearment. And so you would assume that they're thinking, oh, this is somebody that knows us. So friends, what have you caught? Now... This is uh, quite an expected question among fishermen, is it not? My dad and my brother couldn't walk down a jetty without stopping along the way to ask the question, what have you caught? It was almost like an expected question. It's this opportunity to give the fishermen an, uh, an opportunity to brag about what they've caught, and they can kind of go, yeah, got a couple of these, got a couple of these. And they, there's this expected question, what have you got? It's almost a universal responsibility among the brotherhood of fishermen. What have you caught? So that's not Very wise. I have an image of a boat that was discovered in 1986 on the shores of Galilee, and it has been uh, dated to the time of Jesus. And they fully uh, say that this is a fisher fisherman's boat from that time. Now, the size of this boat is eight meters long by two and a half meters wide. So you're literally talking here to about here. And we're talking the whole of Galilee and they haven't caught anything, but this person has said, okay, just go the other side. And so they're all right and they do.
And they're fishermen. And fishermen know how many fish they have caught every single time. I remember as a child when my dad and Uncle Trev went out onto the, onto the rocks and they had a massive haul of fish and 38 fish, flathead to be exact, were lined up and photos were taken. It was a significant amount of fish and that's what they're saying. They are saying it's a lot of fish. And I think sometimes we can kind of read things in where there isn't actual meaning. Um, I would say this is uh, that particular uh, situation. But not only does he mention how many there are, uh, he also knows that they are large fish because the size of a fish really matters as well. So uh, later in the day, uh, I'd imagine that they would have uh, cleaned the fish, they've gutted them, and they've taken them to market to sell. So they also would have known the quantity of fish that they were selling in that um, situation as well. But from verse 15, we see that Jesus specifically addresses Peter, and he asks Peter if he loves him. And Jesus asks this same question three times, and there's a reason for that. It was three times that Peter had denied his Lord and it was three times that the Lord gave him the chance to affirm his love. The last time he had denied him, he had also been around a coal fire. And so this was uh, Jesus giving him that opportunity to wipe out that memory and that threefold denial by giving him a th uh, the opportunity of presenting a threefold declaration of love. And Jesus says to him, if you love me, then give me your life sh by shepherding the sheep and the, locks, the lambs of my flock. So we can also prove our love to Jesus by the way that we also love and care for others. After Jesus affirms Peter, he goes on to describe his death to him, his life of serving and then his death. And that might seem like it's a little bit morbid to do that, but he's describing this uh, opportunity that Peter will have when he dies of dying in a very similar way to the way Christ did. And he did died uh, on a cross with his arms out, uh, but they, he actually um, turned the cross upside down because he didn't want to, be, uh, to die the exact same way. But what it does also do is it describes that he would be old when that happens. And so there's reassurance in that because Peter faced lots of uh, opposition, lots of persecution. And in those times of persecution, he would have known, ah, it's not my time yet. I'm not old yet. And so there would have been comfort in that as well. I just want to highlight a few things in our story today. The first one is, I love how in verse 3, there's an emphasis on the word that. It said, but that night they caught nothing. So to catch just nothing was very, very unusual. 
and no doubt led to a deeper level of disappointment and discouragement. But Jesus was teaching them the truth of what he had said earlier in John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. They couldn't rely on their experience or their expertise to accomplish anything. They, like us, needed to reaffirm the truth of Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's so easy, isn't it, to go through the motions? And I confess 100% that I often find myself leaning on my own abilities to do things. And then I catch myself, I go, no, I just need, I actually need to rely on the Holy Spirit, his direction, partnering with him, following uh, his instructions for my life, his calling. I love how John was the first to respond uh, to, sorry, recognise Jesus. And maybe that's because John, he, he had been with Jesus. He had been there when Jesus hung on the cross. John was the one that stayed with him. And his love for Jesus was never questioned. And Jesus had a special place in his heart for him as well. And as they're wrestling with the wet nets, John had turned to Peter and said, it's the Lord. And while John is contemplative, Peter is really courageous. And when Jesus performed that first miracle, I love the journey that we see Peter had been on. Peter had said that he wanted Jesus to depart from him, but now he's jumping into the lake in order to get to Jesus. Earlier, when Peter walked on water, he asked Jesus if it was really him. Now, he doesn't need that confirmation because he knows. And once again, he can't stay in the boat. He has to get to where Jesus is. But there is a place for both of these men. There is a place for the man that is contemplative and there's a place for the man that is of action. I just love that nothing stopped Peter from getting to seeing his saviour and he sought after Jesus. Even while he was carrying guilt and shame, he was seeking after him fervently. We can't be passive about seeking after Jesus. A spiritual growth only happens when we fervently seek him. And I love how in our story today, as I said before, Jesus provided the breakfast, but he invited them to contribute their fish to the meal as well. And he does invite us to do that. Jesus can obviously do anything at all. Jesus doesn't need us, but he invites us in to his work. This story tonight brings us evidence that Jesus rose from the dead in body, not just spiritual form. And there were, back in that time, there was, oh, you've just seen a vision or it's just a spirit. But Jesus was there in body. A spirit would not have been able to do the things that Jesus did in this story, to call out to the people, to, to the disciples, to prepare breakfast and even then to serve the disciples. Jesus was there in body and soul. And he was there in this story from a distance. 
He had given them instructions while they're in the boat. But Daryl's story last week, you, you'll see that they were right, he, Jesus was right there beside them last week when he gave the instructions of putting the net over the other side. This week, he's from doing it from a distance. But we need to be sure to be in tune with God, to be listening through his Holy Spirit, through the Bible and from each other for what he is calling us to do. So why don't you join me as I pray tonight. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much that you do invite us in, invite us into your work. Lord, I just love that image of you uh, being on the beach preparing that breakfast and inviting the disciples to contribute their fish. Lord, I just thank you that for each one of us, you call us, um, just like we were talking about last week, to be fishers of men. You, you call us into your work. You call us in different ways. Some of us are leaders. Some of us do things in a more contemplative way. Lord, I just thank you that we are all gifted in different ways to do your work. Lord, I just pray that out of the story tonight that uh, people would be encouraged. I pray that you would nudge us and remind us where you need us to be reminded. Lord, I just thank you that uh, you are just such a worthy God of our praise, that you guide and direct us in everything. So, Lord, I just pray now that you bless us uh, with this as we think on this throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Daryl's going to come up now and do something special. Oh, do you need a microphone? No, just stay near me. <laughs> like we normally do after baptism, we invite the candidate, the victim, to come forward. <laughs> you would do that, David. And then if you would like to come and gather around him, lay hands on him, particularly around his neck, and then 